If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. God's Word says that He is the very source of love itself. So, is it surprising that God, who originates love, would also choose how it is shared? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah sheds light on where God pours out His love, some of which you might not have expected. From the series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here's David with the conclusion of God is Love. And thank you so much for joining us today. We are beginning a brand new series on the love of God. It's based on uh, some teaching that we have uh, written in a book, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will. And today we are beginning part two of the introductory message, which is just the demonstration from Scripture about the love of God. 1 John 4 is a big part of what we're talking about. You might want to find your place in the Bible if you're joining us. And uh, let me tell you, you can get the study guide for this series and get it before the series is over so you can follow along with us. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, The book is also available, CD package, DVD packages of all of the teaching, and uh, they're available from davidjeremiah.org. Go there and find out what you need to do to get that, and you'll have it in your home before you know it. And then don't forget, during the month of January, we begin the year with a wonderful book about the sovereignty of God, and the book is called Heaven Rules. It's by Nancy DeMoss, and the book tells you to take courage and take comfort, for God is in control. Be strengthened in your faith and study the sovereignty of God. What it's all about is this. We may think everything's out of control down here, and sometimes it is. But it's never out of control up there. Heaven rules. God is in control. And while we may wonder what's going on, God never wonders about that. He already knows the end from the beginning, and he's got it all planned out. And when you learn to live by the rules of heaven, it takes all the stress out of life. I promise you this book will make you stop and think about how you're living your life. And it's yours for the asking when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Here's part two of God is Love. God loves. God cannot stop loving. If God stops loving, he stops being God because he is love and his love is who he is. So I'm not encouraging you to test his love. I'm not encouraging you to push his love. I'm just telling you that whatever you've done or wherever you've been or whatever your situation may be, you may think you have sinned beyond the borders of God's love. I'm here to tell you that's impossible because God's love is everywhere. And it's unlimited. And God's love is unchanging. That's one of the most important things of all. How many of you know that relationships that we have are human relationships? One of the problems is trying to get some stability to them, right? I mean, marriage counselors would go out of business if we could figure this one out. But the Bible says that God's love never changes. Because God doesn't change. And God is love. The Bible says in the book of Malachi that God 
doesn't change. It says, I am the Lord. I do not change. What part of that don't we understand? <laughs> Psalm 33, 11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Psalm 102, 27 says, you are the same and your years will have no end. Now I want to just talk about this part of the love of God for a moment. What a wonderful thought it is to know that because God is unchanging, his love is unchanging. God's love is constant in faithfulness and continual in expression. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't disappear, no matter what happens. One writer that I read illustrating this point said this. Sometimes we joke and we say about marriage, the honeymoon is over. But that's because we're finite. I mean, we can't sustain a honeymoon level of intensity and affection. We can't foresee the irritations that come with long-term familiarity. We can't stay as fit and handsome as we once were. Can I get a witness? We can't come up with enough new things to keep the relationship fresh. But God says that his joy over his people is like a bridegroom over a bride. And he's talking about honeymoon intensity and honeymoon pleasure and honeymoon energy and excitement and enthusiasm and enjoyment. What God is trying to get into our hearts is what he means when he says that he rejoices over us as a bridegroom over his bride. And so he has no trouble sustaining a honeymoon level of intensity. He can foresee all the future quirks of our personality and he's decided he will keep what's good and change what isn't. And he will always be as handsome as he ever was. And he will see that we get more and more beautiful forever. And he infinitely is creative to think of new things to do together so that there will be no boredom for us for the next trillion ages of millenniums. God wants us to know his love like a perpetual honeymoon, which is the only way you can explain God in human terms, and it still falls so far short. Toward the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus went through a period of time where the disciples who were his closest friends and those that he loved so intimately disappointed him greatly. You remember the story leading up to the cross and all that happened. I mean, Thomas doubted him. Peter denied him three times. Judas betrayed him into the hands of his enemies. And when he needed them to watch and pray with him when he was praying in the garden, he came back and they fell asleep on him. And while he was beginning to agonize over the cross and all that was going to happen when he died on the cross, they were in a room arguing over which one of them was going to be the greatest in the future kingdom. These were his buddies. <laughs> and in the midst of all of this, not only did Jesus humble himself as a servant and wash their feet, but the Bible says this, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having, listen to this, having loved his own, his disciples, who were in the world, he loved them to the nth degree, or he loved them all the way to the end. In some ways, we might say that in our terms, he loved them in spite of everything they did that would cause us not to love someone. 
His love for his disciples was unchanged even by their betrayal and their abandonment. Now there's a good side and a better side to God's unchanging love. Let me give this to you. The good side is that God won't wake up in the morning and decide he's had enough of us. The better side is that even when we wake up in the morning and decide we've had enough of him, he'll still love us. When the Bible tells us that God's love is unlimited, I think it means God is loving something like the love of the mother I read about in this story. A friend told me about a boy who was the apple of his parents' eyes. And tragically, in his mid-teens, this boy's life went south. He dropped out of school and he began associating with a bad crowd. One night, he staggered into his house at 3 a.m., completely drunk. His mother slipped out of bed and left her room. The father followed, assuming that his wife was in the kitchen, perhaps crying. Instead, she found him at her son's bedside, softly stroking his matted hair as he lay passed out, drunk on the covers. What in the world are you doing? The father asked. And the mother answered, he won't let me love him when he's awake. So I have to love him when he's asleep. That's what God does. Even when we won't let God love us, he finds a way to love us. His love is uncaused, unreasonable, unending, unlimited, unchanging. Here's one that we should mark down in our notes. It's uncomplicated. One of the simplest messages in all the world is that God loves us. In fact, here's an interesting story from history. One of the great theologians of history was Karl Barth. He was a brilliant intellectual. He wrote a 13-volume set called Church Dogmatics, and this set of writings contained more than 6 million words. When he made his only trip to the United States back in 1962, Karl Barth was supposedly asked by a student to summarize the millions of words about the Bible and theology that he had written. And while his audience no doubt awaited to be amazed by some profound statement from this learned man, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. (laughs) And the profundity of that statement is the picture of the simplicity of the gospel. His audience didn't get what they wanted, but they got something far more important. Karl Barth summarized the millions of words he had penned about God by simply saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And God's love is unconditional, and I have to hurry, I won't get finished. In the New Testament, there's a word for love that is a special word Did you know that this word was coined by the New Testament writers because there was no other word that was sufficient to describe what they wanted to describe? And the word that they came up with is a word we have heard periodically in our lifetime. It's the word agape. And that is a New Testament word for love. But let me tell you why it's an important word. Agape was a new kind of love, a new word for a new love. Because agape love means unconditional love it means God loving us whether we respond to that or not it means God loves us whether we ever even acknowledge that he loves us and the truest kind of love for Christians for followers of Christ is the expression of that agape love 
We should love others not because we are looking forward to their reply or response, but we, if we're going to be like God, we should learn to love others because it is the nature of Christianity that love comes from our heart and our love comes from God. I like to say it this way. We love others out of the reservoir of love that God has poured into us. Because God loves us, we can love one another. And how should we do that? With the same kind of love that we have received, the agape love, the unconditional love that God bestowed upon us through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So you say, the Bible says God is love. Who does God love? Let me just give you a brief summary of that. The Bible says, first of all, that God loves his own son. God is the father, the son is the second person of the Trinity. And in the Bible, we are told that God loves his son. At the baptism of Jesus and at the transfiguration of Jesus, you hear God in heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father talking about his son. Not only does God love his son, God loves Israel. And I don't make that up just because of the context of our geopolitical situation today. We need to love Israel because God loves Israel. If we don't say anything else about it, that's enough. Our posturing about Israel is really frustrating and it's really dangerous. Because God, as you know, in the Abrahamic covenant said, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. But go all the way back past that and beyond that and just let me say to you that God set his love upon Israel. In fact, when you get a chance today, go home and look up this passage in the book of Jeremiah where we are told in the 31st chapter that God said this about Israel. Listen to this. He said, as long as the sun is in the sky and the moon is in the sky and the stars are shining, as long as the heavens are remaining immeasurable, as long as the earth's foundation are undiscoverable, as long as that happens, God will continue to love Israel. So if you think God is going to quit loving Israel, he's going to have to shut the sun down, shut the moon down, shut the stars down, Make it possible for you to comprehend everything that's going on in the heavens and on the earth. And if that all happens, then maybe there's a chance God will stop loving Israel. And you know, all that is just hyperbole to say, God will always love Israel. He has a special place in his heart for them. You may not like that. You may be struggling with a bit of anti-Semitism in your own heart, but you need to get over it. Because God loves Israel. And if God loves Israel, men and women, we should love Israel too. Amen. Amen. And God loves the people that believe in Jesus Christ. God has a special love for all of us who have trusted him. He doesn't love us with any more fervency. He just loves us in a different way. In fact, I was surprised again to remember this. I've known this for a long time. But the Bible actually says that God loves those of you who have put your trust in Jesus Christ with exactly the same love that he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. God the Father loves Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that if you're a Christian, he loves you with the same intensity of love that he loves his own son. This is what it says in John 17 as Jesus is praying, that the world may know that you, God, have loved them, Christians, as you have loved me. God loves us who are followers of Christ with the same love that he loved his own son, Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, can you explain that to me? Absolutely not. 
I cannot explain it. All I can do is, along with the rest of you, worship at the feet of this truth, the intensity of God's love. And God loves his son. He loves Israel. He loves those who have put their trust in Christ, and he loves the whole world. As you know, the greatest verse in the Bible for most people, and one that's repeated in the baptistry more than any other, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What does it mean when it says God loves the world? He doesn't love the globe. He loves the world of people. Now, there are some who would say that God loves the elect. I don't want to get into this, but that he loves the elect in a way that he doesn't love everyone. But I can't figure that out because the Bible says God loves the world. That means everybody. He loves you. He loves me. He loves every person in this world. The world that God loves is a world that was ruined by man's fall, yet it is this world without strength, this world that is filled with sinners, this world that is weak. It is God's love that is the motivating factor behind our salvation. Listen to these words from Ephesians. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, agape, with which he loved us, agape, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But all that I have said today from the first word until right now is so that I can say this to you. God loves his son. God loves Israel. God loves those who believe in him. God loves the world. But more than anything else, God loves you. You see, we can sometimes get caught up in the generalities of our faith. One writer has said it this way, God doesn't love populations, God loves people. He doesn't love masses, he loves men. He loves us all with a mighty love that has no beginning and that can have no end. Catholic writer Brennan Manning tells the story of Edward Farrell, a priest who lived in Detroit who took a two-week summer vacation to Ireland to celebrate his favorite uncle's 80th birthday. On the morning of the great day, Ed and his uncle got up before dawn. They dressed in silence, and they went out for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. And just as the sun rose, his uncle turned and stared right into the sun. And Ed stood beside him for 20 minutes without a single word of exchange as they watched the sun come up. And then the elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline, dancing in his 80-year-old body with a radiant smile on his face like he was having some sort of rejoicing party. And after catching up with him, Ed said, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, the old man said, tears washing down his face. You see, the father is very fond of me. Oh, me father is so fond of me. He had captured the moment that God loved him in the moment of beauty in the creation in the sunrise. And I don't know if you've ever had an aha moment like that, but sometimes as a Christian, especially as you're walking through life and the circumstances may be different for every one of us, you have this moment where you just realize, I am loved by God. It's the most wonderful realization that you will ever have. I think that's why Max Licato wrote some years ago. He said, one of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because he's fond of you. 
He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on the front of it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and gives you a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he's there to listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose to live in your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you at Bethlehem, face it, friend, he's crazy about you. (laughs) St. Augustine put it this way, God loves you as though you were the only person in the world, and he loves everyone the way he loves you. Most of what I have tried to say today is simply wrapped up in these words. God loves you. He always has, and he always will. Maybe you're here today and you have never sensed that. Maybe you've never realized the love that God has for you. Maybe you've been fighting against that love in your life. Let me tell you that God will not push his love on you. He won't make you love him back. But he offers his love to you. And all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. And he's waiting for you to do that. Even today. Perhaps you came to the service today wondering what this whole God loves you thing is about. I haven't done justice to it, I promise you. But if I could say anything to you one-on-one, I would simply say this, God loves you. He always has and he always will. And if you want to know the blessing of that love, all you have to do is accept it. And how do you accept that love? You accept that love by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. You say, why is it like that? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the gift of God's love. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's like God is standing before you today with all of his love wrapped up in a package. And all he can do is extend it to you. And he keeps extending his love to us over and over again. And he's only waiting for us to reach out and accept it. When you reach out and accept God's love, God's love becomes your love. God's love becomes your personal experience. And the love of God then is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit that he gives you. So my question to you today is this. Have you received God's gift of love? He's not going to stop loving you if you keep rejecting it, but you're going to miss out on the blessedness of knowing the love of God in your heart. Now I want to tell you something. In this world of hate and dissonance and all of the stuff that's going on, without the love of God in your heart, you're going to have a hard road ahead. I want to ask you, will you receive the love of God today? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Will you believe in him today? He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his own Son into this world to become a man and walk among us and go to the cross and pay the penalty for our sin. He did that for you. Once somebody told me he did that with such integrity that if you were the only person on this earth, he would have done it for you. He did it one-on-one for all of us because he is the incredible, incarnate, 
Son of God. Today you can receive him by opening your heart and praying and just say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have failed you many times. I'm sorry for my sin, and I want to become a Christian. Would you please forgive me for all that I have done and give me a clean heart? Be my Savior. Come and live within my life and give me direction for the future. Help me to know what to do today and tomorrow and the days ahead. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and for coming into my heart to be my Savior. If you make that decision, let us know, because we would love to send you some stuff to help you get going and get started, some beginner's uh, information as you begin the Christian life. It's all free. Just ask for it when you call or write. We'll be so delighted to send it to you. And uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, as we start the new year, we have a magazine, and that magazine will help you get through this year. We don't even know what the year holds. We just know the truth in the magazine is based on the Word of God, so it's got a guarantee associated with it. You can get the magazine, the next issue, by just letting us know you're not getting it and order it, and we'll send it to you. And you can get the devotional content from the magazine delivered to your email every day. Go to our website. It'll tell you how to do that. And you can wake up every day with fresh bread in the oven, if you will. I hope you'll take care of that. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you update us on this ministry's impact on your life? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, here on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content. An extensive cross-reference system and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. J. Hudson Taylor gave his life as a 19th century missionary from England to China. As an eminently faithful Christian, it is no surprise that Hudson Taylor wrote these words about faithfulness. A little thing is a little thing, he said, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. You and I are faced with many little things every day. 
and we have the choice to accomplish them with faithfulness or not. I'm reminded of the verse in the New Testament that says, Whatever we do, we are to do it with all our heart, as if we were doing it for Christ Himself. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's examples of faithfulness on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.